Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. There we go. Hi. Hello. Hello. How are welcome, you? Welcome, welcome, welcome <laughs> back. So first, so first of all, we're finally at episode 50. Oh, yay. Is, this, the, is, big this is the big 5 This is the big 5-0. We are way over the hill, and we have so much more to go. Um, is that AARP status now? We hope so. We'd like a discount. I know, like early bird discount. Yeah. We'd like a whole discount. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and start off and say that Karina's got this episode today, leading as the a mic. Um, with her because she's done the amazing diligence and and shared her commitment by bringing in our guest today. So, Karina, all the pressure is on you today. I'm still pressure because I have a friend in the in the office. There Yay. we go. <laughs> Hi, Sim. Hey, hey, what's good? Nothing much. All right, and we got our guest of honor, LaRonda Davis. Hello, Hi. everyone. How are you today? Hey. I'm good. How are you? Good. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So shall we get into it today, everybody? Yes, ma'am. So um, I think just the dope shit ain't shit. First of all, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And well, past past Mother's Day, what time you hear this? But that's well, my dope shit today. For the next Mother's Day. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> um, I'll start since mine ties to Mother's Day. Um, my dope shit is about Black Lives Matter. They've been partnering with some criminal justice reform movements to bail black women out of jail ahead of the holiday on Sunday. Um, They did a nationwide um, commitment that includes groups in Atlanta, Baltimore, Chicago, New York, Oakland, and 13 other cities. And throughout the time they've been raising money. So far they raised about $500,000 for the campaign with 25K for each city. And they're planning to do the same type of initiative for Father's Day in June. So that's my that dope is shit. dope. Anybody else? Dope shit? Got, yeah, dope shit or ain't shit. Um, I have dope shit. Uh, my dope shit is the United State of Women's Summit, um, which happened uh, a couple of days ago. But I've been catching up on it because I was not there uh, with the videos online um, and two videos um stood out the most to me one is the interview between uh, Michelle Obama and Tracy Ellis Ross which has many gems in it so regardless of it was geared toward women but um, I feel like as somebody who identifies as an ally it I caught a lot of gems out of it um, and then the second piece of it was the speech that Jane Fonda gave on stage which I plan on posting on our social channel where she just kind of went ham um, and just addressed a lot of things as far as uh, race goes from mass criminalization to um, equal pay. And I just appreciated her calling out who needed to be called out and speaking on privilege and and all of the, a, a plethora of issues that affect black people so those are my two dope shits if you haven't seen the videos you need to jump on youtube and see both of those but i plan on posting them on the social channels 
Awesome. Um, before I go, Lorana, do you wanna do you wanna do your dope shit first and I'll Sure, I'll do it. This might be a good about this might mind. might like it better if, if you go first because <laughs> I might have some things to okay, say. All okay, all right. Thank you, Linda. Um so yeah, dope shit is I'm on the board of directors for Willie May Rock Camp for Girls, which is an awesome social justice organization. It empowers um, girls and non gender conforming youth and women through music programming and um, it's all you know, women volunteers, you know, and it's it's a it's an amazing organization that's um, was founded in 2005. But we are currently looking for um, volunteers of color because that's something that we um, always want to make sure that the exposure that the campers have is well well representative of the city they live in, and that they understand that we all contribute to the cause at all times. So. Um, check it out, Women May Rock Camp for Girls, but it's really it's really dope shit, and the work that the organization has done in the last 12, 13 years is really amazing, so dope shit. What are you guys looking for from your uh, volunteers? That is a very good question. Well, so it's, it's, it is a music organization, but it's not just music, so anybody who wants to give up time and feel like they're connecting to, uh, to youth as they're in this, this, this moment of discovery and self-expression and all of those things that help them feel seen in this world where we're not always seen, and especially as girls and gender non-conforming youth. And the idea that <clears throat> you know everybody is part of that story. So if you're a nurse, if you're, you can work um, in the kitchen helping the volunteers, you can work in helping them make t-shirts. You know, it's like basically all, all hands on deck for ways to, to express what it is that you're, you're going through and feel like you're part of a community. It's named after Willie Mae Big Mama Thornton too. Awesome. And anybody yeah. that people talk, uh, people can call Big Mama is important in the Word. community. So, <laughs> exactly. so alrighty. Um, so we'll what we'll do is we'll take some of that information and share it out to our channels. Um, so we can make sure that you guys get the representation and volunteers that you need. Thank and you. also, I just need to review the requirements again because you know people gotta be careful when they put the kids around me. But I'm always what? here. <laughs> I'm always here for the kids. Yeah, so. Whatever you bring is, is welcome. Awesome, 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 awesome. So I'll go ahead and jump into uh, my dope shit um, segment. Um, the first one is dope as hell. So the uh, Advertising Club of New York is hosting an event on June 5th for women who have interest in advertising, who are currently working in advertising and looking uh, for tips on how to climb the ladder um, and for women who have already climbed the ladder that are interested in sharing their experiences with uh, young women on their way up. Um, their event is primarily um, in an effort to speak to the recent conversations that have come out of the Me Too movement, the Time's Up movement, et cetera. So um, a few people that will be there speaking is your girl right here. Um, I'll be moderating their millennial panel. Um, we'll also see um, amazing, uh, amazing heavyweights, if you will, in the industry from um, brands, agencies, and freelance. Um, so if you guys have a chance, make sure you check out the Advertising Club of New York .com. Um, make sure uh, if you if you got the time, get a ticket. If you got the money, get a ticket. If you can borrow the money and you got the time, definitely get that money and go get a ticket. Um, I would love to see you all there, and I'd probably need a couple people pumping me up in the background trying to moderate this um, 
panel and yeah just come out to support if you can how much is it do you know no okay <laughs> i don't that's why i said go to the website i don't my bad, my bad. no worries and then my second one um so i actually like 20 minutes ago just had the opportunity to attend the first event from the times up advertising uh initiative um and I will start by saying I am always happy to be a part of any conversation that is uh, intended to push the boundaries of um, what is to be expected within this industry. Um, I am an advocate for diversity. I am a, um, an even bigger advocate for inclusion. Um, and therefore, if that's what people say they're going to talk about, then I'm down to be there and help to uh, facilitate this conversation. Um, so I will say this was part dope shit because there were there is a lot has been a lot of excitement since I guess January February mm -hmm. when they launched the initiative specific to advertising. Um, and it was really nice to be in a room of my peers, um, peers that I've known for a long time, um, as well as peers that I have yet to meet and probably would love to have conversations with. Um, I will give them one hand of a, an ain't shit. Um, and I figure by the time that this airs, um, they will have already put out their findings, so it won't be a secret. Uh, any longer because I know there was a level of um, privacy and safe space that they were looking to um, put out there. I want to say, because I know I plan to write about this once I've sat with it for a while, that for any person um, and group that feels that they want to attack the issue of non-inclusive tables, that it is not only your job but it is our right as people that support your initiatives to actually see you wanting to be inclusive. Um, I know that there are a lot of people that were pissed off that freelancers were rescinded, tickets to freelancers were rescinded, uh, tickets to people that no longer work in the industry but had years in the industry were rescinded. Um, and, and even with that, I feel that I went into the event with high hopes um what i felt like leaving the event um was unheard and y'all know me i love to talk and i like to say what's on my mind um and even in that i felt extremely unheard um there were no questions really answered in the largest panel which was the biggest portion of the event there were no questions answered about um from women of color who are experiencing racism or discrimination by their because of their race um, on the panel. And I think it's really important that we cannot only discuss sexual harassment. If we say we want to change uh, in, ex in exclusivity, if mm -hmm. we say we want to stop being exclusive and that we want to be inclusive of all women, when women of color show up, recognizing that we are a smaller minority in these spaces, you need to acknowledge our questions. We want to know what your plans are for our issues. We want to know, you know, as a largely executive panel on stage, 
what are you going to do to make sure that you're engaging with junior level talent, mid-level talent, freelance talent? We want to know those things, and it's not okay for you to skip over our questions if you are uncomfortable asking them. There's a lot of talk about wanting to have real talk. Well, for me, this is real talk that it is not acceptable, and I cannot condone going to an event that is also supposed to acknowledge my struggles and then I get there and I sit there and I don't. And the only reason I'm frustrated is because it was specified that this initiative is primarily for all people, not just women, but people of color and not who experience hardship in advertising and want to get beyond that hump so that they can climb the ladder and live successful profession, professional lives as well. Um, so that's just my that's just my feelings. Um, less than an hour after the event, I'm sure I'll have time to sit and think about it, pray on it. You know, probably have a glass of wine or whatever else comes my way uh, before I distill this into a blog post. But uh, I left there with mixed feelings, and the majority of mixed feelings were not of empowerment. I did not leave there feeling empowered. I did not leave there feeling heard. I did not leave there feeling like this is something that I want to keep working. Um, this is an initiative I want to keep working with. And I acknowledge that that can change. But if you want my support and the support of the people that rally with me, then those things need to be addressed. And that's it. Shout out to the dope <laughs> shit and they shit. Oh, man. But, okay, so I have a question for you, though. Yes, girl. Ask so, did you have? Did you come into a room with high expectations? No, I that's mean, a disappointing thing, you know, because like the expectation is to be wow. I don't know. I'll say this: the the the, the woman. Um, let me pull it up so I'm not being disrespectful to folk, because um, people's mamas give them names, and you know it's after Mother's Day, so I gotta acknowledge you and your mama. Miss um, <laughs> Stacy Ryan Cornelius um, is a CFO that was is a part of their steering committee. So I'm assuming every city where this event took place today had a steering committee. She was ours, um, a black woman uh, and a CFO. Child, I ain't never seen that in my life. I can't wait to stalk her, right? She acknowledged that the reason that she wanted to be a part of this um, initiative and, and, and spearhead it and be a part of the steering committee is because she recognized that she was starting to teach her children that it was okay to have low expectations, that it was okay to expect to be the only, and it's okay, then and uh, that you should just expect to be unheard, and that that's what she wanted to change. Mm-hmm. And I think that 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 to me was like the oh, I need to get up. I think I got a little tear in my eye because we've talked about that on the show tons of times. Where my, I mean, my mother told us to just expect to be the exception and that's not okay if we are if we want our tables to have more voices and more people sitting at them so I she's that you know I don't give applause to everybody so she's one of them that got an applause um (laughs) because it takes a lot of strength and self-awareness to recognize that that is a small nuance that makes a huge impact Mm. um but for me I didn't go in with high expectations because I also, when we talk about intersectionality and we talk about feminism, mm-hmm. when when 
somebody said at the event, when men walk into a room, they never say, where are the women? I also like to, I also have experienced that when white, white women walk into a room, they never say, hey, where are all the black women? Where are all the Latinas? Where are all the Asian women? Mm-hmm. They never say that. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens. So as much as in these movements, a lot of women like to talk about, oh, well, we need to speak in our circles so that we know what to go back to men with. I would also like these women that applaud themselves for being so self-aware to recognize that you, will, you are continuing to exclude a large population of women that also pay their money to help your initiative thrive. Um, and that just doesn't happen. And maybe I've just been to too many of these events at this point, um, but I'm not, I'm not clapping for you for, for half-assing it. You either gonna do it right or try to do it right, like totally right for everybody, or you're gonna do it for you, and I'm gonna just let you have that. Well, it also brings in a question, if there were, women of color on the steering committee, how come their voices weren't heard in the final output? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> at what point would they have had a chance to impact what then was presented at the event today? Well, I want to be specific. So they started off with a conversation um, with Nina Shaw, mm-hmm. who is a woman of color, who mm-hmm. did speak to intersectionality. I'm sorry, she is a black woman, to be specific, and she did speak to intersectionality. My frustration came at the panel, which was supposed to be the open dialogue for the group of women uh, that attended this event, where I felt that that is where it's important to hear everyone's voices, not the, not the, not only the produced conversation, the natural conversation means that you also have to lean to ask of your sisters that do not look like you what their experiences are and and the app uh what is the app called let me see if i can if it's right here oh it's called pigeonhole um dot at like you get to vote on questions um many of the questions that were regarding race were rated very low so not a lot of women wanted to that question asked the questions that did get past that barrier glass ceiling wow. it was one or two yeah um weren't asked and i feel that there were a lot of questions that were kind of redundant that were voted on and and we i think we know and maybe this goes into another show but like what i felt is the questions that were asked and the questions that were chosen were very represent representative of the experiences that i've had in agencies where you know who's going to get heard and you know who wants to hear those voices that are going to get heard Mm -hmm. and you know who's not being heard at all because their voices are being shut and it wasn't like they were asking questions in order in a chronological order they were picking from a um a bucket if you will of high rated questions and there was there were two questions, I believe, of race, and neither one of them in the 45 minutes of question asking uh, were acknowledged. Um, so I don't think I'm expecting too much from anybody at this point because everybody knows the problem. So you just, if you're not doing better at this point, I'm just assuming that you don't want to. Whether it is because you're uncomfortable or if it's because you just don't give a fuck not my business, I'm still not feeling like I'm being hurt. There it is. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) 
and I, honestly, well, and I'm interested. Yeah, you, you gotta say. Exactly. That's why we started. That's why we're still here. So I'm interested. I know Karina's gonna get into jumping and ask you questions, but as we go through your story and your experiences, I'm I'd be interested to know if you've felt that way and how your frustration had manifested itself. So we can get into the real topic. We can get <laughs> okay. into the real topic of today. Hi, friends. Hello. <laughs> So today in the studio, we have mm. VP Creative Director Loranda Davis. Um, she has worked with uh, clients like Lancome, Garnier, and Soft Sheen Carson. And while as a co- writer slash copywriter and graphic designer, you well, she believes that people should be able to raise their authentic voices. Um, Loranda also serves as president of the Black Rock Coalition and is on the board of directors, as she mentioned, the Willie Mae Rock Camp for Girls, and is the co-owner of the Flaming Yoni Productions pre- and Premortal Punk, where she acts as road and merch manager for Burnt Sugar. Welcome to the studio. Well, thank you. Thank you. I know it's a lot of stuff. I know. I mean, I Googled you, which kind of yeah. is weird because yeah. we met mm-hmm. at um, BWAP, and I mentioned on previous episodes the Black Enterprise Women of Power. And then we call found BWAP? Yeah, we call it BWAP. That sounds like a rap group. <laughs> BWAP. BWAP. Okay. okay. And um, we met at like in between events. And just got to talking over margaritas, and then we talked about alternative music, and then now we're here now. <laughs> but what really um, grabbed me, like gravitated, like to have you on the show, is that you don't look it, but you've been in this industry for a minute, and we yeah. and we all, <laughs> we all talk about how do people stay past five years. Right. But you, can I mention the numbers? Of course, Is that okay? Of so you've been in the industry for 22 years, mm-hmm. but you've also been with the same agency mm-hmm. for 12 years, yes. which is a lot yes. because people usually say F it after like two years. Yes. <laughs> and you probably have gone through many teams as well. No. Oh. Which is, which is interesting. And that's part of probably the answer as to why I'm still there. I th- and I mean, granted, it's, there's a couple of things. Like the, the way that, you know, we met at a, an industry event, kind of, right? right, where it's about my business, which is, I've, I've been able to keep that separate from my life. I come from uh, am being older, you know, mm-hmm. it's definitely one of those things where I didn't necessarily go in thinking that my passion was going to be my career. Mm-hmm. There were two separate things. Like, there was a way to do something that I, I'm good at and that I still am not bored at and still don't hate, but my the service side of me, the, the passion side of me, I do outside of work. So they, they are kind of separate, and that's, that's, so I'm not, it's not like advertising is fulfilling everything in me. So mm-hmm. it's, it's giving me a paycheck so that I can go live my life and give in other ways. And I think that helps me not think that, oh, this industry is shit, you know, this industry is that and the other, because it, it has nothing to do with me, really. Oh, that's good. So how did you get into advertising? I decided in fourth grade that I was going to go into advertising, so that's kind of the path that I chose for myself all the way through high school. And when I was looking for colleges, I wanted some place that was a specific Bachelor of Science in Advertising, not communications, nothing. And I lucked up and ended up at University of Texas at Austin, where they have a specific advertising program. Like, I graduated with a portfolio. Had I not gone to UT, I don't know that I would have needed one in order to become a creative and kind of show how I think and what I can do. Um, But it helped out because it was definitely... Um, beginning intermediate advanced um, classes to end up with a a body of work that I could then go to an agency and say look hire me I'm gonna go ahead and just make this disclaimer before my aunt listens to this they are Aggies they are Aggies through and through 
And I know that if oh. I don't go ahead and interject this I little understand. giggle, then I'm not invited to Thanksgiving. So there it is. My ob- obligatory. Okay, thank I you. you. I want I want the second big piece of chicken <laughs> of turkey. So I'm just saying. Oh, thank do, you. Thank you. Know. you. I know jealousy sometimes is just too much for people to <laughs> so, And they need to hate me for no reason. I have a question. Um, you mentioned that you were interested in advertising at four years old? Oh, fourth grade. Fourth grade. Fourth grade. Uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> um, what one how did like how did you know it was advertising that you wanted to do because obviously like with a lot of dni programs they like to talk about exposing people of color to advertising because we don't know about it so i guess off topic but how did you know that it was advertising that it was that you wanted to pursue well it's interesting because i probably didn't understand exactly what i meant when i said it but i do remember there was a an you know, it was gifted and talented education, so they, they kind of went at it a different way. Like, mm-hmm. we learned things differently. So there was this whole idea of what what career do you, what do you want to do when you get older? And it wasn't just a question, it was kind of like, okay, research it, and there was a moment, and it was, it was and I, I only remember this very, you know, like, kind of the structure. All of this I could have filled in, in my head as far as what happened, but I do remember it was between psychology and advertising, and that I, I made the decision that I could write more and I would have different things if I went into advertising. And I don't, I don't know why it stuck. Like at some point I could have changed my mind, but it was, it was really about um, a, an assignment and I did the research and because I decided it then, I decided to, to go to follow through. Where, where'd you grow up? Tucson, Arizona. Whoop, whoop. Mm-hmm. I'm a desert child. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just nodding. I don't know anything about Tucson. It's hot. Anything about Tucson, but it's hot. There's sand and cactus. We're an hour, <laughs> hour away from Mexico, um, and yeah, it's, there's many awesome things about Arizona, and many things that truly, truly suck about Arizona. <laughs> Immigration. Uh, it's, it's, it's. I mean, Arizona. It's, it's Arizona. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. they, they don't want to acknowledge that that brown people belong there. But whatever. Um, you know, wow. saying, like uh, belong there, but um, you know we don't have daylight savings time. I'm I'm happy with that. I'm okay with that too. You know, it's like <laughs> what, what you gonna do? But, uh, you don't need a fall ahead or no, or spring no, back, fall back, the same spring forward. Time there. <laughs> Here it's like three hours ahead, two hours behind. No. Mm-mm. So what brought you to New York? I got a job here first. So my um, my sorority sister moved here, and I came with her and showed my book around because I had the book. And I was like, sure, I'll, I'll drive with you to, to New York, and then I'll show my book to around. And um, I showed, and I did the same thing. I went to Miami for a week, because my, peop- my dad's people are from Miami. So I went there, and I showed my book around. I went to Chicago for a week, because an agency flew me in, and they were trying to do a junior team thing. And, and I went to Minneapolis for a week, because I'm a Prince fan. And I was like, I can work here, and listen, and go to Glam Slam, and go to back when Glam Slams were open. And I went to L.A. for a week and, um, you know, of course, I had the luxury of doing this. You know, shout out to my family for being like, sure, go ahead. Um, but I just got the job in New York first. And you didn't you didn't see like you never got any pushback with your book or anything like that. No. Like, and it's, it's interesting because um, I don't know. I don't know. So my the first the woman who hired me was an all woman agency. It was called Lotus Menard Patton McIver, which was really awesome. And the creative director, or the, the woman who was the writer uh, side of the team, was also a Prince fan. So I don't know if, <laughs> if there was some sort of connection that was kind of like, you know, but I had absolutely, and I showed it to a headhunter, and the headhunter sent it to them. 
Um, and then they flew me in and it was an interview and I got the job. While you were, while you were uh, embarking on that journey, did you have any preconceived notions of what you might expect? Like, were you going in with any expectations? Not at all, not at all. And I, it's interesting because in, in school in, at University of Texas, there was definitely, they would have um, critiquers come and talk mm-hmm. about your book and they would tell you, you know, what they thought of it. And, you know, um, there'd be people from Leo Burnett and people from all mm-hmm. these different kinds of agencies. But I never went into it like um, expecting that I would get any kind of pushback or that there would be. And and again, it's a little it's a little different being from Arizona, where um, you know the racism that you got wasn't specific. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It wasn't like the 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 pushback that. And it's also because we did a good job of kind of supporting ourselves and supporting each other mm. in Tucson. So I always felt supported. I didn't feel like I needed outside validation from other people. So Okay, that's I what really, I wanted to yeah, ask. Yeah. I was never really looking for someone else to tell me that I was going to be okay. Or you knew your book was dope and somebody was going to get this exactly. talent. I knew that I, and I was always good at school, so mm-hmm. I, I got good grades. So there was nothing for me to think that I was going to come up short in my pursuit. And when I did have, like, I had the portfolio that, you know, went through, you know, whatever, um, whatever, I don't know, not critique, because I said that already, but you know what I mean, whatever it went Whatever through, feedback, yeah. Whatever feedback, I, I addressed it, and, you know, I had something that I felt represented um, what was necessary, and granted, this is all book learning, you yeah. know what I mean, I'm like, it fits what I learned in school, so <laughs> it should be okay. Yeah. And when I showed it to a headhunter here, and then she was able to get me a job, I, fi- I figured that was good enough. Good like, enough. it's great. You know, yeah. it's like, okay, and, and I don't know, had I not had... Um, had success so quickly mm-hmm. and then I'm not saying it happened like over overnight but it happened quickly enough for me to not have to worry about the idea that I might not get a job so it happened quickly enough for me to say like okay I'm, I'm good in retrospect do you feel because what I hear like this similar similarly to what I think that I uh, felt coming out of college and coming straight into the working advertising world um I felt a level of confidence that I hear that you're speaking to where it's like, I mean, I got good grades. Mm -hmm. I mean, I got people supporting me. I really don't care what they think, but if they like it, it must be okay. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that your level of confidence uh, also attributed to your early on success? Yes, yes. I mean, I'd have to say yes. I think um, there's something to, and you know, it's that idea that, um, the way I grew up was very black, black, uh, positive, you know, it was very creative positive, even though my dad's a lawyer and it was like, you're going to go to school, you're going to do these things. It wasn't like when I said, I'm going to go and advertise and they were like, but why would you do that? You could be a lawyer, you know? I mean, at least they know what it is. Exactly. I know, right? (laughs) That's more than many of us can say. (laughs) And you know, like my brother's a filmmaker, like, you know, he, he had to graduate, but he still is now making movies. So it's like, it's, it was never that, as long as we we were responsible with how we lived our lives, it didn't really matter what we did in the living, you know what I Dope. mean? So it was, it was very, very much like that kind of security and that basis in you're awesome. And, you know, like, and granted, we, you know, like in Tucson, which isn't very big, but we, you know, all the black folks, so we, we had our, we knew our black judge, our black federal judge, we knew our black lawyer, our black doctor, our mm. black cop, our black... our black vet our black like we knew and we had that representation everywhere so there was Mm -hmm. never 
like, and, and this is like through Jack and Jill and Lynx and all of those kind of, you know, like the things that not everybody has access to. I was just about to. to speak to your, the black affluence that you're discussing. Yeah, I know, none I know, of that I know, growing but it's up. <laughs> like, I know, none of that. But it, it's also, it's like, it's Tucson, which if you think about it, even, even if you, if you were rich in Tucson, it's the same as living kind of poor in Tucson. It's like, there's, it's not like the extravagance is how you live your everyday life. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It was like, you're still going to the same school. There's three schools, you know, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but there, there are things that were um, kind of equalizing that it doesn't seem like, you know, when we would go to a conference, a national conference for sure. Jack and Jill, we would see different levels that seem like class levels that I don't think that we had the same kind of feeling in Tucson, which may or may not be true. Got um, it. But yeah, so there was definitely um, that, that, that built me up as a youngster so that I, I knew that I had backup or I had, I had something that was valid going into the world, which was, you know, a, a godsend, I guess, if you would say that. That's good to hear. Yeah. So you've managed teams and you've mm -hmm. managed mid-level creatives and they didn't grow up the same way. They may have not had the same confidence. And right how what do you have what advice would you give to them so they could get to that level where they would be proud of their work and they could do whatever they want to do and have that confidence to go into any room and be proud of what they've created mm -hmm. well i mean i i know myself i've always kind of had supportive bosses and that idea that they were never trying to change what i was doing just guide it for the situation right so it was never like oh you you, um, that's not how you should write this. It was more like, I see what you're doing there. It's like an, an affirmation and acknowledgement that I, I appreciate what you're bringing to the table here, but for this project, maybe we should do this. You know, it's like, it's less about um, the skill that they have as much as it is about the project at hand and what it needs. So that it, it doesn't, it doesn't denigrate somebody's personal skill or their own you know con contribution it just kind of says oh this is this is the guidance that we need to get to this assignment that we're doing you know so was that when you were working with predominantly women or was that what I, I will say that that's another thing that I have to add to the, to the the mix of my longevity in this career I would say is that I've I and it, it happened early on where the the woman-owned agency um, we had a beauty, like we worked on Max Factor and we worked on like Easy Spirit and we worked on a lot of, you know, femme type accounts, which, oh, nice, there you go, there you go, <laughs> you know, um, so it definitely, the, the, the environment was less about, you know, a misogynistic, you're a woman, you can't write, you're, you know, like that sort of thing, it was more, um, you know, in the spirit of, yeah, let's see what we can all contribute. And, you know, it was definitely that. And, and because I started working on beauty with my first job, um, that's kind of how it was easy for me to get the job I have now. And it's been all women, you know, like women and gay men basically have been my, <laughs> have been my team <laughs> since, since, uh, since I started. So for the last 22 years, I would say I've never had um, a man boss who wasn't like CCO, like chief creative officer, who's, you know, a few tiers above. Um, so it's all been women, all women. Oh, wow. So do you, I'm, I guess you're almost hinting at that's kind of the reason why you've been here so long. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, okay. More women in the office? No. More men out. It didn't sound like that, didn't it? It did, it did no, sound but, like that. No, but I, I think that's really interesting because I've always felt like minus one supervisor who was a dude that I've 
had better working relationships with women for what you're saying right there, which is they tend to be a little bit more vested, invested in my development instead of saying that's shitty, throw it the fuck out. It's more like, hmm. Exactly. It's like, and it's, <laughs> yeah. it's true. It's like, you know, I had a, I was working on a project this weekend and basically, and it was guys who ran it and it was basically if they didn't like it, they would rip stuff off the wall, which can be very demoralizing if you yeah. spend hours working on it, which is, you know, a different way of approaching it. I can see if I had seen that, I'd been like, oh, that's great, but we're going to go in a different, I wouldn't, you know what I mean? It's like the way that you share what it is that you feel about something also has an impact on the person who worked on it. Very true. And I think that's a totally different approach. It's a little more political to say, I don't agree with that, but I'm not going to shit on it here, you know, like in front of everybody. It's a, it's a different way to go at it. But I mean, all that is to say, I, I, I don't, I can't say that had I worked, had men in my group that it would have felt different, but I do know that there are issues, you know, with Me Too and with Time's Up and with all of those things that I haven't actually had to confront in that way. I've been very, very lucky. I can't lie, but you know, it's, it's, there's something to be said for um, women supporting each other, but not necessarily, um, you know, like in, in a work environment, we don't always see it like this in advertising. So what do you think about diversity and inclusion initiatives in the agency? Yeah, I mean, it's a bunch of trying, and it's a bunch of people who don't necessarily know the way. It's, it's like, it, it gets addressed, and when, when a person of color, like when I say something in a meeting, people are like, yeah, you're right, no, that's absolutely true, but it doesn't necessarily mean that whatever comes next is gonna be any different. And that's the hard part, you know? <laughs> it's, it's the hard part, because we have the conversation, and I know, like me, you're probably sitting in there, you're like, yeah, but we need to make sure that we hire directors who can see that black women are beautiful, because right now, they just think they're there for curly hair, and you know they go right past them. Whereas if they if they like a face, and because they're attracted to white women, because that's how they've been conditioned over time, they're gonna sit there and romance that shot for like 20 minutes. You got 20 minutes of this woman's face. When I'm like that sister who's beautiful over there, you don't even see her. And so we get we end up with footage. I know. See, Kai's pre dance, pre dance in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> but and so it's it's basically like those those things that are the unbiased conditioning that we that they are now doing all these these um, workshops on. Um, but they, we say things and they don't necessarily trickle into understanding because it, it's our perspective because they don't see it clearly. They, they, deliver, they, they definitely don't see it, you know? Have you actually had that conversation, a similar conversation in, in any moment in your career? I, well, I have, but it, it's always one of those things that it, it's, it seems reactionary, so they don't always hear it, you know what I mean? Like, and I try and address it before something. Like, I'm, you know, there's a director that we've used quite often and it's not always our decision. We don't always hire him. Like sometimes he's hired by other people and we're left with the footage. And I'm like, the problem with this director is that we're always gonna get the same thing from him because he has one vision of beauty in his mind. He's shooting a beauty commercial, so if this is what he finds beautiful, this is what he's gonna give us. Which means that we're gonna be sitting there holding the bag and a whole lot of like white women with, with long blonde hair and we're not gonna have anything to work with. So, you know, you bring these things up, but then it's like, oh, who's available? Oh, who can do the great hair? Oh, who can do, so all of these decisions are made. I'll tell you, there's another story that always 
chaps my hide. <laughs> Do you want to chaps I, my when, hide. The next time I try to be polite about telling somebody that they pissed me off, <laughs> I'm absolutely, I'm stealing this because that was so nice. It made me happy. Thank you. Okay. That's that Southwest in me coming out. I love the sharing that's happening. Oh, yes. It's good. But we were having a casting session, and everybody was casting with their their um, their progressive liberal mind, right? So it started out where the the best people were at the top, right? And it was an Asian guy, it was a dark-skinned sister with short hair, it was a you know a redhead, a blonde, a brunette, you know, like a, a brother. And as the conversations happened. The brown people started sliding down the wall, like, oh, well, let's try this person with this person, and that person with that person. Well, her hair is not long enough, so let's, you know, and so all of a sudden, they did this sifting where their, their, their beauty advertising brain kicked in, and all of their decisions that were right at start, because that's what you're supposed to do as a, as a liberal white woman, and I'm just saying they, they were all white in the room, you're supposed to understand that the Asian guy is the hottest guy in this in this group, and let's put him in the commercial. You're supposed to appreciate that the sister is gorgeous and will add to your your commercial. But as you sit there and you rationalize, and you're like, oh, but we won't get as many hair swings out of her. Move her to the bottom. They actually, and I I, I hate to say this, I but hate it was, that casting thing. Yeah, but no, like, we do it in pharma, and it's it's horrible, right? It's, and then there was there brutal. was a comment. It was like there was the Asian guy and a, and a, a, a brunette woman. And the comment was actually made, well, do they belong together? But see, okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, right. All right. That's enough. Do you see what I'm saying? That's enough. And <laughs> so we ended up with a, a guy who's, who's gay, which is not an issue, but they did not have any chemistry, him and this woman. So when they shot him, they were like girlfriends. You know what I'm saying? Like they were, they were like, hey, you know, it's like they're supposed to be in this embrace, but, you know, and it was just one they of those things. Gave a little side hug, like. a side hug. And I was like, you know, what is what is this? Are you are, are what are we casting for? Are we casting for chemistry? Are we casting for what are we casting for? And it's re- it's really clear what we cast for. It. Uh, I'm just it makes not, me I think just ice. wasn't in the right. No, maybe I am in the right space to hear that. But I, I, I'm listening to you tell that story, and I and I recognize and. To me, you're so high up on the chain, right? Mm-hmm. To to still hear stuff like that from women that have been in this industry as long as you have and that have succeeded mm-hmm. so much, it pisses me off because I find like that, when we talk about hiring and mm-hmm. you got all these recruiters mm-hmm. and like we're so pro-diverse, we're so liberal, like yeah. that is what I have experienced and that is what I imagine where it's like, okay, as long as the pool is that this idea that we just need to diversify the pool mm-hmm. and then we can still get what we oh, want. No, no, like no. that's the bullshit. And so that's what, I mean, we're working, we have an initiative right now about, and it's women, but it's, it's about in, and our agency about women in the creative department having more leadership roles. It's not just being there. It's having more decision-making power because it's less about like, again, it was my boss and the, the, the head boss of our client who, who were making these decisions. And at the end of the day, nobody else's you know, opinion matters in that room when they're sitting there doing back and forth. And I'll, you know, again, that's when I'm saying things, I'm piping in, I'm definitely saying, you know, oh, she's great, you, you know, she, you've never seen this woman in a spot before. She would stand out, she would show you know, what you're really trying to say about how, how um, culturally representative you are. You, know, you can't keep leaving her out of commercials. And I say it, and then the we shoot things, and they're the, they're not there. 
So I have a question. I'm going to sidestep because you were at Black Enterprise, and this year, Rich Lou talked about the whole Shea Moisture spot. Knowing what you know about beauty, what was your take about that? Like, what did you what did you think about that? Did you believe him? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of bad things are done with great intention. You know, a lot of things that get overlooked, and like I said, decisions are made. Um, minutely, right? It's like that decision affects the next thing, affects the next thing, affects the next thing. And every now and then you'll sit in a room and, and there, you know, like you'll sit there, there are three great ideas on the table and people pick the least common denominator instead of the greatest common denominator, right? Mm-hmm. So they start picking things and making decisions that they think are least offensive, right? And sometimes those least offensive things are the same old, same old that we're used to seeing. So when they were trying to switch it up to say, oh, this is what people will respond to, to, you know, this is how we branch out with Shea Moisture. We're just trying to talk to these people. They're forgetting who they're not talking to, because it happens all the time, like the idea of exclusion, they don't see. You know, people don't see who they're leaving out. True. And understand that, you know, like, um, we have, uh, we were working on a commercial and there was a curly haired black woman and I had her say a line, something like, you know, it was hard and, you know, like, because I was different, blah, 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 blah. And one of my, one of my uh, bosses was like, well, the, my boss was like, well, how do we know she's different? I'm like, well, see, that's the difference. As a black woman, <laughs> I know I'm different everywhere I go. Like, is this really? She was like, how do you, how do you know she's different? I was like, wow, wow. It's just not a perception, right? So they make, they make decisions that aren't always about the bigger conversation or the, the, the impact that that will, that it will gather, you know. Kai, Kai is making all the pieces. I, I can feel it. Me too. Yeah, so, right? right? Me too movement. Word. I also feel it. So it's true. It's like, you know, it's like from, you can say, oh, well, you know, this person, uh, because it's for a golden oil, we want someone with golden hair. And you've automatically decided in that decision, that one decision, that they're going to have to be blonde and white. Wow. You know, or have like so the hair color that works well and looks natural with the, so in that one decision, all of a sudden you've changed your whole casting or your whole intention to do more with that particular casting. So it's it's the little the little decisions that are made that always default to safety in especially in the beauty world, which and when I say safety, we know what that looks like. And so it's harder to 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 make them understand that safe is not safe anymore. You know, it shouldn't be safe anymore for you to just sit here and keep showing the same people with the same hair length, with the same face shapes, with the same body types. Like, that shouldn't be safe anymore. And the problem is they always bring up, like, Walmart in Idaho, you know, who, oh, in, in Idaho, will they buy this if we don't show what they're used to seeing? And at some point, we need to challenge and say, well, they shouldn't be seeing this anymore. This is not reality. This is not how we should be living our lives. Why do we keep perpetuating something when it doesn't, it doesn't change how well your shampoo works? This sounds like the Matrix now. And then it's also like, because you're right, I've sat in on plenty of brainstormers. It's like, well, we also need to, we need to make sure that we're considering like the Midwest, you know? And it's like, okay, there are hoods in Idaho too. Yes, there are. Like who, like when you are talking about these people that we are going to exclude, because to your point, like you don't seek the people you exclude. Mm -hmm. All that, like, all that response to me is showing you still don't get it. Mm-hmm. What about the people that will see it? Yes. 
and the people who understand that this is where we're going. You see what I'm saying? And yeah. like, I, and I feel like that's the piece that gets me. Like, what about the people? Uh, one of the accounts that I've been work that I've worked on for a long time, they make a shit ton of money. I'll just put it like that, right? Um, and sometimes in the decision making process, somebody will bring up like a, an edge case scenario that we need to account for uh, when we're discussing user experience, and they'll be like, "Well, there are." 100,000 people that are having this issue and it's like but there are billions there are millions like hundreds of millions of people that buy into this so what about the hundreds of millions of people that aren't having that issue you see what I'm saying like who you speak to and whose money that you value more speaks to your understanding of culture and like it's not okay to dismiss all of these people that want to see the dark-skinned sister with the short taper cut and the the you know the very like very fair-skinned white woman that is all blind or the you know albino woman that has no pigment whatsoever like you you can't say that it's okay we're not showing this kind of person because other people want to see that kind of woman it's that kind of thinking that took Black Panther so long to get made and then to break those kinds of boundaries where oh well we don't know if that's gonna sell you don't know what the fuck is gonna sell these days True. you don't know True. where this money is well, gonna come from certainly not gonna sell if you look exactly like everybody else on, on the television right now or on whatever's going like everybody is afraid to not look like everybody else let's dare to be different and hello. not like you wanted us to do that with drugs let's do that with advertising let's be hello. different hello let's stay, let's be let's work outside the box yeah so what i'm hearing from you because you've been doing this for 22 years how the hell did you stay so strong <laughs> right because like you're 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 sitting at these tables and you're repeating yourself mm -hmm. um and we were talking we had Brunswick Valerie Graves a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about the fact that we feel like we keep saying the same things over and over and she said you have to keep repeating yourself which can be very draining so what what is keeping you going <laughs> because clearly you've been doing it for so long so you're smart enough you could probably go do something else so what is keeping you going and I think retention is um, a parallel conversation with recruitment and everyone's trying to figure out how to retain people of color so that the people coming in can see a trajectory for themselves so what is keeping you okay. what makes you say <laughs> <laughs>
So it was, there was definitely like I can, and we kind of launched the natural hair products through um, Dark and Lovely with advertising. So it was for once we got to shoot brown haired, curly haired woman, you know what I'm saying? And, and just make them fierce and beautiful. And, and you know, granted it was still within a, a box of our client expectations, but it, it was at least speaking to people that I didn't think got spoken to enough in a way that I was like, we can represent, like we had a sister with a big ass fro, you know, we had tw twists, we had every kind of, um, you know, like it was, it was a new era for at least that building. <clears throat> And you know we like won an Effie Award for it and all this other stuff. So it was it was supported, and our, we also got along with our client very well. So for I'm, I'm, I'd say for the first nine years that I was that I've been at this agency, we had that as kind of a, a bastion of well, at least we can do this, and you know work with our client who appreciated advertising and you know loved what we do. Um, so that helped, you know, when you have a good relationship with your client. And you, you know that when you make a, a, a comment, they hear you. And there were fewer levels of, um, you know, this person has to approve it, and that person has to approve it, and that person has to approve it, knowing that that person don't know shit about brown people, or that person doesn't know about shit about women, or about beauty. Um, it was good to have fewer levels. So the person that, that made the decisions loved what we did and understood and appreciated when we, when we gave her feedback. So that made it much easier when have, having that kind of relationship, and um, both in, in, in the office and with the client. So those things changing, it, it is true. It's like, how do, you, how do you keep doing it? But there is uh, what I said earlier about um, I'm kind of of two worlds, where I don't expect advertising to fill all of my, you know, like fulfill all of my, my need for um, balance and equality and like all of those things, like yes, I can contribute to that, and I think that's part of what BWAP helped me see was that I could be doing more of that in my agency, right? Like I could be, okay, where's our black creatives group? You know, where's our, like I could be doing more of that, but because, because I do so much outside of it, I'm like, I'm, how much can I take on with, you know, and still practice self-care? And so it's kind of like I, I could be doing more at the office, but I've, you know, I've been president of the Black Rock Coalition for several years now, and like I said, on the board of directors for Willamette Rock Camp for Girls, and just I grew up with the the mind of serving. So it you know like there's always been community service element and giving and that sort of thing. So that's where the job is the job, you know. Like I do what I can, and I, I try and represent and be true there, be who I am, and just say you know I'm and I'm I'm damn good at my job too, which also helps. Um, so you know like let me let me not let me hey. not forget that uh, you know I can I I'm I'm damn good at my job and everyone who kind of sees it understands that I do bring something to the table so I've never had to f feel like I'm fighting to to be me at work which is is great mm -hmm. um, even though the work doesn't always go as far as I think it should or you know but I'm always there saying it and I'm like if I'm not here they may not even have these conversations wow. so I do feel like I'm I'm benefiting while I'm there. And every now and then getting out something that feels like that moved the needle a little bit, you know, or that um, could have gone differently if I hadn't been there. Or so, and, and that, again, but it's not my whole life. Like advertising is not my whole life. It's a, it's a part that pays really well so that I can give a lot of my time and energy elsewhere. And granted, it, it does take a lot of time. Yeah. And it does take a lot of energy, but compartmentalizing it a little bit helps. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's, I don't take any of it too seriously. You know what I mean? It's, it's, 
we go through meeting after meeting, but it's not it's not going to change who I am. It's not going to change, you know, it may change my mood for a little bit, but did you learn that over time or was or is that the attitude that you've pretty much had consistent from the time that you came in? I probably learned that over time. Um but you know, when you when you go in you're always idealistic and you don't know what it is. So you're, while you're learning it, you're kind of figuring out how you fit into it and as you're getting responses from things, you're kind of figuring out, do I need to adjust so that I'm not feeling that as hard? Or, you know, it's kind of like, um, and, and granted, I may also be um, communicating it differently than I used to when I was younger, but the idea is that, like, out external forces shouldn't be able to change my whole shit. You know what I mean? It's like, if the, the more we let things affect us, the more we change who we who we can be and who we are. And I think I, I definitely got into this place where I was like, that's, I'm not gonna let this, you know, change how I feel right now, you know? And, and there, there are times when you're like, look, I put up the good fight, I did what I could do, um, give me my check, um, we're all right, you know, and tomorrow I'll fight again, you know? I don't know. Did anyone, um, has, has anyone in your career challenge the way that you come to the office or how you look how did you deal with them it is a very good question so I have a, a half shaved head um, and I remember for so the first job didn't matter and this is this is my third job so not only have I been in for 22 years this is my third job so I basically ride things till the wheels fall off you know what I'm saying it's like as long as they understand you would make my mother so proud and so happy because I am not doing a good job of it so far no but again this is this is part of being old school too you know it's like I I know that today I'd probably be more restless and more like I this is not doing everything I need to do if I'm going to spend 10 hours in a day working I want that work to be all you know towards something um right now it's like it's split between 10 and 5 you know what I mean like five hours of my day is spent um in the way that that really fulfills me but the 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 jobs backtracking i've forgotten the question because i went so off has anyone challenged the way that you looked oh yeah so my third job uh this one here uh, i i heard after the fact that there was some question about whether or not my hairstyle would be off-putting to the clients what year was that two no two yes 2006 okay i think it's important to know because i think like these kinds of those kinds of questions get addressed differently depending on like the year or the culture at the, mm. in the industry at the time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that is Good true. Point. 2006 yeah. and it was relaxed. So it was straight, but it was still half shaved. I was like, you permed in that question? <laughs> yes, but oh, half shaved. It was a half shaved. Okay. More than the, so. Um, All edgy. Yeah. Oh. Was, but again, it, she's of color mind. and she's got <laughs> shaved hair. Oh Lord. Can I also say, so, you know, t talking out of school or whatever, I got the call because it was for Softsheen Carson. Okay. It was working on black hair care. So that was that was why, I, and granted, I had just, my old job, my old creative director left for maternity leave and decided she wasn't coming back. So I had been working out of my house. I was telecommuting for five years, which was beautiful. It was beautiful. That's another episode. You how did you swung back. You're like, <laughs> you're literally living the Alice in Wonderland. Like you, you've so had awesome. a, this is so it great. Was so awesome. <laughs> I know I can't, I, when I talk about it, it's weird. Don't tell like, no oh, more shit, people this. Cause I was I like, it's nothing like this it now. It will not happen. It will not happen. <laughs> but yeah, so it was kind of because my, my old partner from the first job, she got a job closer to her house and she was like, I want you to work with me. So we'll, but I was like, I'm not, because it was in New Canaan, Connecticut. No. I was like, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not commuting. <laughs> no, I'm thank not moving. no, thank you. 
you. But she was like, no, we'll send you a computer and you can work because she knew the way that we worked together. We worked together like that for five years. And it was basically, she would wake up early in the morning, I would stay up late at night, and then by the t- it would all get done. Done. You know what I'm saying? So it was very, but anyway, so that job had ended in April. And I, you know, I had like five week severance or whatever it was. And I was sitting on my couch. I was like, hmm. And then this place called me. And wow. they were like, and I was, and they tried calling me before, but I was like, I ain't going nowhere. I got like this sweet ass job, right? No. Um, but I just, the timing was right. And I got the call. And so I went in, but, um, and then she was the question about whether or not my hair was going to be off putting to the client. And my partner, my bomb ass partner, Jana said no. And you know, we went from there. But otherwise, no, I really haven't. I really haven't gotten any. And granted, I think because it's a creative field and they want you to look kind of like, you know, more than they do. And you're cool as long as you can do your job and they see you, you know, they see you looking edgy. Then it's like, oh, she's really creative. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And maybe that'll show up in our work. Then, you know, they don't they don't really question it after after you show them that you know what you're doing. And then not for nothing, like I started college in 2006 so (laughs) and I remember very vividly like because I was in the school of communications Mm -hmm. HU you know Mm -hmm. in the school of C like all they preached was how we had to be very like we had to conform like your hair my hair needed to be straight my stockings needed to be white if I had on a blue suit. Stockings? Shut the fuck up. Stockings. <laughs> and don't you dare show up to an interview in, in anything less than an entire three two, two to three-piece suit. Like, some wow. had. And I'm like, so that's why I asked what year, because right. yes. that's not, you know, the kids that are graduating this week, this week is graduation week at Howard. So, like, the, the kids that I've spoken to, that's not what they're hearing from their professors anymore. Mm. Assuming because the professors are probably my age and older at this point, but like at the time, like respectability politics was king. So I would also imagine that it's like, well, you know, don't come out here with your with your fro and all these (laughs) tattoos. What are you doing? You don't want to work. That's what it is. So no, I mean, my tattoos were not visible at the time, and I know that my my first job, I definitely had on a, a dress that I probably wore that once. You know, it was, it was about that, and it was like right out of school. So there was definitely the idea that that's what you're supposed to do when you go on an interview. And you know, not hear, hearing my father in my ear, of course, also like he still says that his daughter has too little hair and his son has too much. You know, like that. He's still very kind of conservative in that way. But at the same time, you know, and we say now like I am enough, and I always felt like I was enough. You know, and it's true. Like I think we're all enough, and we always have been. And, and whatever it is, as long as we are granted. If you're half-assed and you're not good at your job, you got to do other things. You got to compensate. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to be on time. You got to kiss them with ass. You got to, you know, make a damn good if cup of coffee. Shit, the least you could do is be on That's time. what I'm saying. Like, whatever you got to do, to, you know, it's a balance, right? If you're not overly intelligent, hook up with the person who is so y'all can have a, you know, like, you can at least have conversations. Can it make it where, work? You know what I'm saying? Something, <laughs> something. But if, if, you, if you are about your shit, if you have found a field that you're really good at, or if you have found something that you think you can contribute to in a way that won't suck your soul dry, because I know it, it is advertising. I can't lie and act like it's the it's angel work. But at the same time, it's not horrible. Like there there are lots of ways that you can say we can do something different, and we if we do this right, we can actually have a voice 
that it hasn't been shared before, or we can have a voice that makes someone feel better about themselves instead of shitty about themselves. And we don't go there often enough, but every time I get a new brief, I'm like, oh wow, possibility. Like we can make some shit happen here. And sometimes we end up with something that I'm like, all right, well, we didn't do it. Like, well, we had a chance. We did the here's best we what could. We did. You know what I'm saying? Like, we went at it. We had that great-ass idea, and they picked the basic one. You know, but at the same time, we, we let them know that there's still greatness out there that we can all kind of aspire to if we just let ourselves, you know? That's beautiful, friend. This was <laughs> <laughs> We're going to end on a high note. <laughs> yes. yes, high note. Well, I have one last question yeah, yeah. for you. Um Generally, I, I we ask this of uh, junior level talent, mid level talent, but like speaking of aspirations, what are your aspirations in your career? Wow, it's a great question. Um, hmm, you know, it, and it's funny. I was trying to, you know, all this, all the like the 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 summit and BWAP and all that other stuff, and I wonder if if part of my longevity is because I haven't had tent poles. You know what I mean? Like I haven't been like if I if I don't get to this I'm not gonna be happy, mm. or if I don't do this I'm not gonna feel fulfilled, or if I don't do this I'm not gonna feel like I've done a good job, and it, you know another just you know going back just yeah. a little bit part of the the reason that I've been on on at this last agency is my team was very it was small and I was at the bottom of it. Even after I'd been there for 10 years, everybody else had still been there for 12, 13. It was very, very like- Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a long, long crew of people together. So it was like, I wasn't a creative director because there were already three creative directors ahead of me. And I, I, I understood that they'd put in the work, they'd put in the time. So it wasn't like I was like, oh, well, if I'm not a creative director, like it's long, you can only have so many on a team, right? We couldn't all be creative directors. So when they were still there in place, it was definitely like, okay, I, I'll, I'll play my role, I'll contribute to the team, this is what it is. But as soon as they got let go, I was like, all right, now this is all right. <laughs> my time. You know, like, <laughs> I hate that they're gone, but at the same time, nobody else should be above me now. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. when that happened, it was definitely like, okay, uh, 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 <laughs> you know, show improve, show improve, show improve. So, you know, and that, where were we, where did I take that from? Because I, um, thank you, so the aspiration. So. I never, I never was like, I have to be a creative director. That wasn't a goal of mine. My goal was to do good work and get paid for it mm-hmm. and, you know, not hate coming to work every day. And don't get me wrong, like, I, I'm not a morning person. I don't appreciate the whole kind of the, the business thing. Um, while I was, I was raised to kind of appreciate that that's the responsible way to live your life is to have some steady income and that sort of thing. And, like, I always want to know that my rent is paid. But... I don't, I don't tell myself that outside of, you know, it's not like advertising is the only place you have to show up on time and do X, Y, and Z. So it's kind of like if you're going to have a, a corporate type lifestyle career, then there are going to be some concessions that you have to make. And one of them is having to be there in the morning, which is not my favorite thing. Go <laughs> <laughs> 9 a.m. meetings. My, my aspirations, I, I don't think they're, t- like I, I, I don't want to own my own agency because I don't want to be responsible for you know 12 other people's lives and making sure that they're feeling that secure and that they can come to work tomorrow and the lights will still be on you know I don't I don't want that kind of pressure in my life mm. um, I don't like I, I am a creative director which because I'm doing that work I earned you know I didn't aspire to be that but I'm like if I'm doing that work then give me that title mm-hmm. you know um, I don't know I, my, my aspirations are just to kind of uh, 
not let life run me over and make decisions for me, you know what I mean? Um, and this, this seems to fit with where I am and how I think. Um, so, you know, yeah. Dope. Do, do you, Thank you. One final. Do you feel like your side hustles is contributing to the way that you feel about? Yes. Right. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, like my my and so yeah, I have a production company with a friend named Tamara Kali, who's a bomb ass artist. She's also dope shit. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. And she just scored. She scored Mudbound, the movie by oh. Dee Reese, and she scored something else on uh, Get it. Netflix, mm-hmm. right? On I think Come Sunday. Oh, yeah, come Sunday, yeah. Did you see it? Yeah, um, So she scored that. So, you know, we have our, her production company, which helps her art. So whenever she, she's, she, I always say that she's like, if I could sing, I would want to be her, right? So <laughs> it's kind of like, okay, so I, working with her is great. And, like, we, we do tours, and we do, like, there's all kinds of music things in that way. And then uh, I'm road manager for a band called Burnt Sugar, which is just a bunch of friends. And, you know, like, they, they may go to France, and I'll go with them. Or they may go to, you know, Kansas, and I'll go Kentucky, whatever. Um, and then I have a graphic design company with Jana um, and, and Luke Mann, my boyfriend. And it's like, you know, those side things that, that – always feel like because it's that kind of say yes mentality like why not you know yeah of course we can do that let's figure that shit out like okay let's do a black punk pinup calendar yeah we did it in 2009 it was beautiful but you know like we did it once and it was kind of like fun and yeah i mean those sorts of things that kind of add to life and make it feel it's not monotonous and it's not um expected and it's not to be planned not everything is to be planned you know amen dope shit dope shit (laughs) Well, I want to thank you for coming. Yes, thank you very much. Thank this you was for having like, me. This yes. so, I know, it's so random and fun. I'm it like, was yeah. random and fun when I'm like, yes, we need to have you. Let's do it. <laughs> thank you so much. You had so much wisdom. It was beautiful. Um, I'm going to end the show, I guess. Um, you can reach Mix Company at askmixcompany at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at askmixcompany. And then on Facebook, the Mixed Company Podcast, and on our website, mixedcompanypodcast.com. Yes, ma'am. Amen. I got it right. <laughs> Bye, y'all. See you. Bye. Talk later.